listening to A Feast for Thrones, a weekly Game of Thrones podcast that analyzes and dissects every single episode of Game of Thrones. On this week's episode, I have returning to the show, Maester John Taggart. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I am very well. Super pumped to discuss Game of Thrones with you after missing the last two episodes. Yeah, well, announcement. Uh, John and I are going to be uh, carrying out the rest of the season together. Oh my God. Yes, it's going to be huge. Um, I can't believe we only have two weeks left. Yeah, I was actually... Oh my God. Today, I counted the days that it'll be until Game of Thrones is over. Yeah. And then I multiplied that by 24 to work out how many hours it was. And it was... How I was many just hours like, was it? I, oh, I did it, but now I can't remember. <laughs> oh, but it's it's soon. It's, fuck. Yeah. It's, I mean, what day are we on today? Friday? Friday, yeah. So, we're typing this really late because my week. schedule has... Yeah, oh, fucking hell. It is too. So soon. Yeah. So, we're typing this very late on a Friday night because my schedule this week has been really, really disastrous. So... Um, John has been the only one that has adhered to my schedule. Thank you, John. Oh, um, so my yeah, pleasure. this one's going to be dropping um, into your hot pocket, so you can get a refresher before episode five drops on Monday. John, let's discuss the last of the Starks, episode four of season eight of Game of Thrones. All right, so it's interesting because we are doing this a little later than usual. Most podcasts, most YouTube videos on Game of Thrones, most critical analysis is already out. Yeah. Um, and I read your review the day after the episode aired, mm. and it was pretty scathing. And mm. the critical consensus across the board seems to be that this is the worst episode Game of Thrones has ever made. Um, it's, it's the lowest rated... Um, like IMDb, whatever percentage of any episode ever. Really? Yeah. And um, it's even below like Unbound, Unbound, Unbroken. Yeah, I was going to say that was the worst episode yeah, by it's far. Yeah, like, it's the worst. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. Um, according to the percentages. And so we are doing this after all of that critical feedback, whereas usually we do it, you know, immediately afterwards yeah, as yeah. part of that. But I read all of that this week and I just rewatched the episode tonight before we started recording and it was flawed for sure, but it was far from the worst episode, and it was still better than most of season seven. I I still think, based on the four episodes we've had so far this season, that season seven definitely goes down in the pantheon of garbage trash TV Game of Thrones. It was the worst Game of Thrones of all time. Yeah. Like, and this is still better than that. I think. My, my review was pretty scathing because I think after we watched the episode, Sam and I watched the episode live, I couldn't help but feel I wasn't compelled to watch the episode again. Whereas I felt like over the course of this season so far, I've had a compel, like I've been compelled to be like, I'm going to start it again or I'm going to take a break, have some food, come back and watch it again. And for this one, my first immediate reaction was just like, oh, right. I agree with you. I do not think it is the worst episode the game, uh, the worst episode the show's um, put on. I would, I do say that it is a, uh, it is a bad episode of Game of Thrones. And I think there's, I think the the underlying reason for that is that Benioff and Weiss have really, really decided to rush things, and I think that's completely to the detriment of the show in its current state. Um, it's clear in this episode. And there's a lot of different things that go wrong. I will argue that there's a couple of things that I quite liked when I watched it again. Um, but for the most part, there's so many baffling 
decisions and character 180s. I call it the heel turn episode because there's a bunch of heel turns for the sake of just progressing the plot. Otherwise, people yeah. aren't going to go anywhere. They're, everything's going to be a little bit stale. And obviously, the, you know, the show's not going to close out how they want it to close out or how George R. Martin wants it to close out. So I look at this episode as a as a disappointing episode for the most part. Um, I also found it a bit boring. So I think we've talked before about the fact that since Game of Thrones has gone off book, it's deteriorated in quality. But I have been considering that and now, not to sound really pretentious, but having started my own novel, I think there are places that you want your characters to go and there are plot points that you want to happen. Yeah. And sometimes to make that occur you need to reverse generate how they get there. And I think the problem for Benioff and Weiss right now and the problem for a while has been that there are big moments, battles, resolutions, arcs um, that are coming and The Long Night was one of them. But they also need to build narrative or plot bridges between where they were to where they're going to get where they are, if you know what I mean. Yeah, to resolve. Yeah, and I think that season seven was basically that. The the whole of season seven was just an entire narrative bridge to take it to where they needed it to be. And they're not very good at telling a story or telling an interesting story. They're just good at big action moments and sequences and big payoffs. Yeah. So without the books to adapt from they're just working towards the payoff moments which are what they really care about so the long night was a huge payoff moment it was the culmination of the entire white walker threat and now episode four i think it's just a bridge episode to get us to episode five it's just to it's just so that we don't close after the battle of winterfell and open already down in king's landing ready to battle and because it was a bridge episode and because it only existed to reverse generate the content to push daenerys to the brink so that her actions were if not justified then understandable by episode five it just all felt as you said rushed but also pretty nonsensical in terms of character decisions like there's just so many illogical things that just made no sense so where where do we want to start because there's a lot like a lot why don't we just start at the beginning of the episode yeah okay um and just work our way through yeah cool so at the start of the episode we're at winterfell and um they're burning all of the bodies and saying goodbye to their dead and then they go inside to celebrate um did you have any thoughts about those winterfell scenes um look i think the takeaway that i got I said, in, I said in my review there was a weird energy about these particular scenes, especially in Winterfell. And I feel like I, I would continue that line of thought. I think there's... When I say weird energy, I feel like tension that feels like it's not going to come to a head. I don't know. When I look at Danny in that sequence, I think there's a few moments there where she's obviously reminded that she's alone. Jorah's dead. Um obviously miss um, sunday is still alive at this stage but there's a difference in terms of the celebration and what she's witnessing of the people of the north compared to what she's seen in essos and throughout her travels through westeros um i did like some of the pairings of characters there were and some of the interactions were quite good tormund was like again i i think tormund's great he it, 
on at this stage is a meme, but like he d- does give a bit of energy to the scene. Um, but also, obviously, Gendry gets named um, Lord of Storm's End, and that pushes to this bizarre sequence where he's freaking out and proposes to Aya, um, which. F- like 10% of me goes, I kind of see where Gendry's coming from. He is literally, he's literally just been granted this shit. I don't know. Just, just on that point, can he, is he able, does he actually have a claim on that now that Danny's made him Lord of Storm's End? Now that she's legitimized him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, So he has this sort of little freak out and proposes to Aya and I'm like, I can kind of see where he's coming from. He's like, there's a lot of things going on. But also, what the fuck is this? Like, I, I was, I just sat there and I, I think Sam said the same thing. She was like, what the fuck is going on? This is, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even very, like very sweet where I sort of turned it down. It was just like, oh my God, what the fuck are you two doing? And like anyone that thought that Aya was going to say yes you have not watched Game of Thrones. Yeah, but that, that was the whole point of him asking her was that it was to give her the opportunity to say that's not me and to have her little speech about how she's not a lady and she never has been. Yeah. The call back to Nymeria when she asked Nymeria to come back to Winterfell with her and she said, oh no, that's not you. Yeah. You're like off with your pack, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Or she's al- actually in the show, she's a lone wolf. She doesn't really have a pack. Um and then also she said, I'm not a lady. And Sansa's direwolf was called Lady. Yep. So it's like, okay, fine. Like, I understand that you wanted Arya to say those words. But again, you didn't have to reverse engineer this horrible scenario just to put that dialogue into her mouth. And yeah. I think a lot of the problem with this episode was dialogue. Like, I was, oh. I could really hear the writing in a lot of it. And I just thought, don't contrive scenarios to have your characters say what you want them to say because it's it's evident and it's and it is disingenuous yep. and it is implausible the, and this is the thing this episode is light on action and it it does go back to what game of thrones did best which was putting people in rooms making them interesting and that's what the show thrived on i think without its action it obviously made these characters full of depth and life and if you put them in a room together and they're interesting, it's going to make an interesting scene. And the thing is, this was probably the best example of the of the poorest dialogue writing I think the show's ever had. 100%. And one of the problems is that their conversations that they're having and the machinations that they're undertaking are yeah. no longer interesting because everyone's motivation is so one-dimensional. And I remember last year when... <laughs> last year, two years ago, last season, <laughs> when Arya and Sansa were fighting at Winterfell. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, yeah. this does not feel like Arya v. Sansa. This feels like Arya's motivation v. Sansa's motivation. And that's what it was. Like yeah. they, were, they were just so transparent in their motivation that they weren't even real characters anymore. And I feel like that's what's happened to everyone. Yeah. Everybody is just represented by their motivation so that what they're actually doing to achieve that makes no sense and when they're questioned on it they have no answers no they don't and even i would say if you put benioff and weiss on the spot and you ask them that they probably wouldn't have answers either which is concerning because 
at the end of the day, they've this episode by design is to put characters in a room and develop that and redevelop the tension that has probably been sucked out now that the Night King will. We think the Night King and the White Walkers have been eliminated. One hundred percent, they have. Like um, everybody yeah, is it's old. too late in the game for them to come back now. All this nonsense on Facebook about like, do you really think they're done? It's like, yes, they're done. Yeah, I, I, in the back of my mind, I would look. I would say that I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow show up. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But given the fact that we're talking about an episode that didn't make a lot of sense, I wouldn't put it past off and wise to do it they're not going to show up they had six episodes this season and look at what episode four was the white walkers are not coming back yeah um i forgot what, what, what i was talking about um but so we were up to the winterfell part the wind just in terms of those sort of bits and pieces i think not just on Arya and gendry's moment but also the moment with Tyrion and brienne and jamie and pod which is a moment that felt quite sweet initially they're playing a drinking game really is quite innocent but also i think that the pairing of those four for a time was very very sweet and actually a quite kind of a nice payoff to them all surviving the the battle however however it is ruined by the fact that Tyrion asks such a pointed question of brienne and that question doesn't make much sense coming from anyone's mouth and the only reason that question exists is to drive Brienne and Jamie's pairing later on in the episode and also he's a real arsehole about it he is he's a fucking like Tyrion is supposed to be a like razor sharp on the drink but like he's always I always felt like Tyrion even drunk still had a lot of respect for women whoever blah 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 at this stage, I'm like, whoa. I like my, my reaction was just like, whoa, 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 what the fuck kind of a question is that? Yeah, like, like if that you, is- and if you believe that, if you believe she's a virgin, why would you say it to her like that in this scenario? Why? Yeah. Like it's it's ve- it's venomous. That's what yeah. th- that kind of question line of questioning is absolutely venomous. And, and it's cruel. completely out of Yeah, it is. Cruel actually is a better word. Um to me, that's completely out of character for Tyrion. And I'm just like, okay, well, that, that kind of question is fucking absurd. And the only reason it exists is because it means that Brienne gets up and goes to her quarters and then Jamie gets up and goes to his her quarters as well. And then that's where they finally, you know, copulate or they seal the deal or whatever. Which I've seen some people talk about that sequence between Jamie and Brienne and I'll, I'll get to the absolute worst part of that. We'll get to that a bit later because I have some roasting that I need to do. Um... But that sort of coupling there, I was just like, I wish it never happened. I don't buy it. Um, I think she... I think her love for him is sort of like her love for Renly. Like, it would be... Devotion. Yeah. Unrequited and um, fantastical. Like, it's not something that she would ever um, actualize into reality. Yeah. Also, I guess one thing I did like about that scene... Was how Tyrion, Pod, and Jamie all conspired to cock block Torment. Yeah, that was um, yeah, that which was, was pretty fun. Yeah, um, but apart from that, yeah, it was it was pretty strange. And I think again, yeah, it only existed so that the roasting part later could happen, um, and it, which really just undermined Brienne's character. Um, Absolutely, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't the, care for their pairing. It upset me because. Live or die in, in, in episode three, Brienne, her arc and Jamie's arc had completed 
so well well in episode two. In yeah. episode two, and it's so upsetting. And and the thing is, like, I know we're talking about a fucking TV show, but when you we've invested so much time into these characters, and I think these characters have also invested a lot of time into just generally the like the show. To see Betty Offen Weiss, excuse me, go and just extend that beyond its what it means. I I, I don't know, and it, I think it's made even worse when when Jamie takes off later on in the episode, um, which we'll get to soon. But I mean, back into the the whole like the feast room. I think yeah, there's not a lot to like to be honest. Um, I mean, there's. It was pointless. The whole yeah. thing was pointless. Like, it reminded me of, you know, just like another version of Extended Episode 2, which I also thought was pointless. Um, and other, the only scene that had any validity was Daenerys making Gendry uh, legitimize Baratheon yep. because that had political implications. That was it. And yeah. that's all that we needed to see happen at Winterfell. Yep. The rest of it was just... It's so strange that they are, as you said, rushing everything, and yet so much of the time is, you know, injected with this filler. Like, yeah. oh, anyway, um, move away from Winterfell if you like. The, well, there, there's a little moment between the Hound and Sansa as well. Oh, that as well, yeah. Um, which I, I didn't mind, um, but also I found again pointless. Uh, the, 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 that's the thing is that that's what their relationship is so far gone that I don't care like the only thing that I liked about that was when she said if it wasn't for Littlefinger and Ramsay and the rest I would have stayed a little bird all my life and that that line has got a lot of criticism for glorifying violence against women yeah but the thing I liked about it was that she said Littlefinger and Ramsay and the rest. And I was like, wow. So Joffrey just like the rest, like he doesn't even have a name anymore. <laughs> well, like, I mean, Joffrey is the fucking worst, but also, I mean, she does, she does shit on him in episode two uh, when she's talking to Tyrion. So I guess she's already like kind of done her shitting on him. Yeah. I just thought it but was yeah, funny. No, that is, that is quite funny. I was like, yeah, um, he doesn't even have a name now. He's just like the yeah. rest. He's well, over there. It's interesting because I feel like Joffrey is an afterthought now because it's hundred percent so, so long. Fun. Yeah, like, but yeah, I mean that whole the throne room sequence. Sorry, the feast hall sequence. I got nothing out of except Sansa glares at Danny. Oh my god, like, so much! I was like, bitch, please, like you would literally be dead if it wasn't for her. And whether you're a team. Daenerys or Team John, I refuse to even like yeah. sanctify Team Sansa as a thing. It's not even a thing. And but the, like, and the only person that really, actually, really supports it is Arya in the Godswood. When Arya's just like, I respect that. And then Sansa's like, Excuse me. It's like she fucking saved us, you idiot. Like, come on. Like, if she ain't here, then we all dead. Okay, all right. Let's talk about that. Then. Yeah, let's because, go to the Godswood. So this is what she says. Yeah, like I respect that. Then. And then Sansa says, yeah, you respect it. And she's yeah. like, yeah, I do. We would be all dead without her. So you have to respect, we don't trust your queen. And I was like, okay, why? Like, you just said that she saved you. Why don't you trust her? What do you think she's going to do? Oh, what's your reason for not trusting her? Not, no, nothing? Okay. Like, but the what thing the is, fuck? But the thing is, if they gave a reason, I'd be like, oh, well, sorry. I can't just say if they gave a reason, but if they actually gave a relatively thought out reason that had some form of logic backing it up, I'd be totally fine with their distrust. Same, but same. Yes. But all she does is say, 
she saved us we needed her we don't trust her and yeah. i was like what what like that doesn't even make any sense at all yeah and john doesn't even question it it's no. just stupid yeah and the thing is well, i want to go back to the gods would re- really quickly yeah but just to lead that up there's a, a moment in john's quarters where danny comes up and basically tells him he needs to he needs to keep his lineage a secret yeah for the sake of the realm really or for their relationship because danny's starting to get real fucking pissed off um even though john swears to her that he's a queen and to be fair i would believe john and that sort of his line there there's i my current theory is that john is just going to exile himself to the wall at the end and live happily ever after with ghost but whatever um but that sort of sequence, again, is so fucking weird because it's just like, swear yourself to secrecy. And it's just like, uh, okay, you're asking one the wrong person because you realize John, of all people, can't do that. He won't ever. He's too noble. He's too honest. Like, that's the thing. That's always going to be his downfall. It's the whole reason the fucking, um, during the Dragon and the Wolf episode at the end of season seven, the yeah. whole reason those nego- negotiations seemed to fail, well, they were probably going to destined to fail anyway because Cersei's a fucking terrorist, but it's because Jon refuses to, to kneel to Cersei. And it's just because Jon's honest nature, well, sorry, I should say honest, idiotic nature. Um, he is a fool. Yeah, he is. Shines through. And I think it does in this particular sequence as well. Like, again, this sequence between him and Danny doesn't offer anything other than, like, Danny's going crazy. John's a Targaryen. You know, like, I'm just... I don't know. This whole sequence to me is basically just setting that up for him to, to, to go to the Godswood to talk to the Starks. About yeah, that. which is true, which it is. But I also think it is to show that he is betraying her because she asked him not to say anything. So the fact that he did shows that, yes, his honest nature is shone through, sure. but he's actively defying her. Okay. Whereas if they never had that conversation and he told them anyway, then he's not deliberately going against her wishes. Yeah, sure. He's just telling his family what he thinks they need to know. Yeah, I think you're right that it was pretty glaringly obvious that, oh, oh Daenerys is going crazy, the Mad Queen, blue. Yeah. And like, you know, when she said, it doesn't matter what you want, they will press you to take what is yeah, mine. Yeah, absolutely. Even though in like, lineage terms it is his and so a lot of people are seeing her now as that tyrant dictatorial figure yeah you know a despot in the making but i can't understand that because she i don't understand why it is that he is deemed in the eyes of the show and in the eyes of the fandom a better ruler because purely because he doesn't want power and she is a lesser worthy ruler because she does it's like why does actively wanting or seeking power stop you from being worthy of having it because she is quite deserving in my opinion but anyway but she's also basically second in line isn't she yeah she is um because he doesn't have any kids so she would be second in line yeah so she has a right to that power. And if she wants to seek that power, she more power to her. So this is what I also think. Um, well, do you mean second in line after him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. second in line yeah, after yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But I also sort of think... Um, I don't know. The problem is, if you if you push this back to the War of the Roses and you think about the fact that 
you know, for example, when Catherine of Aragon married Prince Arthur, they had to execute um, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth's cousin, um, the Earl of Warwick, because Catherine of Aragon's parents wouldn't let her, their daughter go and marry the heir yep. unless any other potential claimants were executed so that um, there were no other claimants to the throne. Because yeah. even if they didn't want it, even if they didn't seek it, even if they weren't mentally capable of taking the throne, people would still rally around them as an alternate. Yeah, yeah. So my concern is, although I'd like Daenerys to win, she might get to a point where, or even the show, if if she were to win... What would happen to John? Like how? That is true. How would this? How would the story explain away his claim now that people know that it that it exists? And yeah. I would like to see Daenerys win. And I have a few theories about how that could happen and what the show is setting up with the Mad Queen as a double bluff and blah blah blah. But there's still this nagging question in the back of my mind. Well, where does that leave John narratively? And I just don't see how it can happen. Yeah, I because isn't Amon wasn't Amon in line for the throne? Um, the old yeah, the, um, Watch the guy. Yeah. yeah, he was, yeah. So theoretically, the same thing could occur with John, except John's not a maester, right? Yeah, I guess he could just take the black again. That's the only thing, that, 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 that's the thing, because to me, I can't, I can't realistically see John ruling. It just, it's just not in his nature. His character has, is, I don't think is destined to rule. I think, when I look at him and him leading armies and, and having followers, I think that's what it is, but I don't think he is... I don't think he... like. It's pretty clear that he doesn't want that power. Unless he dies fighting for the throne for her, in yeah. which case then she would be sad because she lost the love of her life, but she'd also be like, well, that's fine because there's no other heir to the throne, no complications anymore. Um, I win, lol. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. But he would just be like Jorah too. It'd be like, okay, well, he put me here by sacrificing himself both in terms of his own right to the throne and in terms of the fact that he was fighting for me and yeah. put himself second. Yeah. And then she could be, you know, like sad about that. And even then, like, I, I'm much more sadder about Jorah's death than I would be John's because, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I just think... Many years ago, he was miscast. Him and Sophie Turner both, but her more so. But I think looking at it now, season seven and eight, like it's not great <laughs> yeah. for him. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty average. Um, I, I want to use that to link back into the Godswood. I know we were just talking about it about five, ten minutes ago, but there's a critical moment in this sequence in the Godswood, which I think is one of the most baffling choices the show has ever made. And it's when John is talking to Aya and Sansa about, obviously, that you know, talking about Danny's rule and all this other stuff, and 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 they talk about family, and and John says like, I'm, I was never a Stark, and they're like, what are you talking about? And there's a moment where you think he's going to tell them, and I know that we've we've gone through the throes of him telling his fucking lineage to everyone. And perhaps Benioff and Weiss look at it as a moment where it's like, okay, we've said this enough. We don't need to say it again. But this is a really critical moment. So you gutted you didn't get Arya and Sansa's reaction? Yes. I, 
I no, I did not care. I was like, no, like I found out in like Brand's vision at the end of season six. Then it was spelled out for me by Brand at the end of season seven. Then he told Daenerys, um, and then oh, and Bran told him. No, Sam told him, and then he told Daenerys. I'm like, I have seen enough scenes of people telling you or you telling them who you are i don't need to see this scene again i don't need to see you telling somebody else the same lines again and the fact that it happened off screen i think you're i think you're right it is crucial which is why it had to happen off screen because it's so much bigger than anyone else being told at this point in john's head that it probably couldn't have been done justice to it on screen when we've all heard it so many times before it's not information for the viewer so imagining what their reactions were is enough. I think my argument against, uh, sorry, my argument for them cutting away is like yours. You don't need to, honestly, you don't need to see it again. We know that we know this information. This is not new information. I feel like John and Aya's relationship is so strong that Aya's reaction to this is something that I wanted to see. Because there's that belief and they don't know. They've never questioned his his lineage or anything like that. They've always considered... I mean, they probably still do consider him family. Is it so strong though? Like, they, it's it's played up that it's strong. It's true. It's but true. for us as viewers, we saw them together in season one, episode one. And we saw them together in season eight, episode one. Yeah. That's it. Like, I just... I just think it... We are four episodes into this season, and in episode one and in episode two, John's lineage was discussed in a scene in a conversation. Yeah. Like, do you want three out of the four episodes that we've had so far to contain that scene? Well, it's tough because... Do you, I mean, is it just going to be every episode, like someone new finds out and talks about it? Yeah, I mean, that is true, because the thing is, like, that theoretically could happen. Like, we have to go through the throes of, hey, John is the fucking tiger, and John's the tiger, which would be fucking annoying. I'll give you that. I just think the fact that there's so much in an episode that has so much filler and yeah. weird scenes that probably don't belong, that that's a scene that I probably would happily put in place of perhaps Gendry proposing to Arya. And just to flip that back in the, the other way, we yeah, yeah. have two scenes of Tyrion and Varys talking about it. Yeah. So it's not well, that as is if true. it wasn't yeah. discussed at all. Yeah, and the thing is, I think obviously Tyrion and Varys' discussion of that is more along the lines of to push the narrative that Danny's going mad and that Varys is completely gone, well, John looks way better than her now. So I'm Worst shit. advisors ever. Yes. Yes. Like, what a pair of dickheads. Yeah, they're really fucking stupid. But, I mean, just for me, I was pretty... I was pretty upset just because it's a... It's a I feel like it's it's a critical scene that perhaps could have um, a little bit more... There's a bit more gravitas to it, I think, with those, with those characters. All right, here's my theory. Yeah. They shot it. They shot it 12 times. And in none of the takes was Sophie Turner's acting good enough. They were just like, <laughs> this... This just isn't the reaction shot that we would expect. It's not plausible. It's not believable. We've been shooting this for a week now and it's just not working. Let's just cut away. Honestly, that is a pretty good theory. <laughs> and not just because I know, like, you, you know, we can't go a podcast without you bashing Sophie Turner, but um, there's probably a moment where they've actually shot this. I imagine they've probably shot a lot of stuff that they've cut. But this particular episode, I think, is just... 
they've literally chosen the worst of the things that they shot for the most part. Um, <laughs> it's it's just it's bad. It's bad. Um, but I mean, I I, I digress because I think that Godswood sequence is again eh, fine. Um, it was just another indication of John's stupidity. I mean, if anyone, like a lot of people did stupid things in this episode or yeah. only talked with their motivation and not with any kind of reason at all. Mm. And I don't just mean reason as in level-headedness. I just mean as in sense. Yeah. But John is probably the one person who, like, it doesn't surprise me. Because yeah. you're right, he does have this, like, ridiculous noble code of honor that got Ned Stark's head cut off kind of attitude about him. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, where do we want to move on to next? Um, so where does the episode go after that, after Winterfell? Um, oh, here's another thing, actually. When they leave Winterfell, yeah. why did Daenerys and some Unsullied with Tyrion go to Dragonstone, but then Jon and all that go take the King's Road to King's Landing? Like, why did they split up their forces? And a couple of people were talking when I watched the episode the first time, and so Dan even said later on, he was like, why have they split up? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I think they said it. And then I watched it again tonight, and I was like, nope, they never explained that. No. One time, Jon says, oh, Rhaegal needs to heal. So I he doesn't need me weighing him down, so I can't ride a dragon. It's like okay. So take, Danny takes Rhaegar. Take a ship to Dragonstone? Like or the dragons could fly to down the King's Road without you on their back? Like why are you separating your forces? And Tormund even says that. He's like, You would you weigh like two fleas fucking. Yeah. Like you Like would there's do, yeah. no reason for them to split. And when and even when um Rhaegal gets shot by the invisible ships. I'm still like, but if John was there, he couldn't have saved you. So it's not as if they've been like narratively split up for a reason. Yeah. So that, you know, their forces are depleted or whatever so that her <laughs> loss is worse because he couldn't have done anything. Oh, shit. So I was just like, why Why have you... And then later on when, when she's talking to Tyrion about it, he's like, oh yeah, John probably won't be here for a fortnight. And I'm like, hmm. Why isn't John with you now? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's a lot of... Again, this falls to a lot of really idiotic fucking decision-making, but also, like, almost, like, plot-induced stupidity. Yeah. Um, And just convenience. Like, to me, this is so fucking poorly written. Um, We'll get to the other scenes in a sec. I need to vent about Danny's arrival at Dragonstone. Go for it. Um... You're really good at rebutting things and my thoughts and stuff. Okay. So I'm hoping Thanks. that you have one here because um, I, I, I want to know if, if I'm missing something. Mm. Danny, uh, Danny has taken ships, Rhaegal and Drogon to Dragonstone. Um, everything seems fine. Uh, and then Euron, uh, out of fucking nowhere, has uh, like 11 ships full of Kyburn's, you know, a level three ballista. Uh, and manages to pop fucking Rhaegal three times with three perfect fucking shots. Mm. Um, couple of things. <clears throat> well, actually, just to finish on that. Danny gets enraged because Hurdy Her, the Mad Queen. So she dive bombs the fucking ships and then, you know, Banks left. All of the, the 50 fucking... Arrows miss Drogon somehow, even though there's three very, very, very accurate ones. These cruise missiles. Yep. 
How does Danny not see 11 ships in the bays of Dragonstone? That's one. Yeah, okay. Two. Okay, I can give you an answer for that. Okay. I want to hear it because I've literally not heard an answer. Two. Those ballista do not turn very quickly. Those ballista do not aim 90 degrees. There are like two different tactics that she can use to torch all of those ships. Okay, so as far as her not seeing them goes, cool. okay. when you're in the theater, one of the joys of live theater is that you can choose to position your eyes anywhere you want and consider the action that is happening in that corner of the stage. Sure. When you are um, filming something on screen, you are locked into the positioning that the director has chosen inside the camera. And so for Daenerys, the camera is pointing at her and she's smiling. Yeah? Yeah. Above (laughs) Dragonstone the castle. Mm -hmm. And then when she turns the corner, then she looks down and sees the ships when the arrows come up. So because the camera was holding on her, she couldn't see anything beyond it. That's, um, okay. That's an expert troll well done. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally what happens in the scene. She can't see it because we can't see it. And I'm like, are you for real? Like, like if you watch the way that it pans, as soon as the ships are revealed to us, suddenly she can see them. And I'm like, so does she only exist within the world of the camera? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. It, honestly, that whole sequence to me, I was I was sitting in my chair dumbfounded. Not because... And honestly, the actual death of Rhaegal is very well done. It, it is I was just about to say that, actually. I do think the CGI of him falling into yeah, the water was abs- cool. Re- le- le- legitimately, that is one of the highlights of the episode. I mean, it's up, really upsetting seeing Rhaegal die, but like that moment was incredibly well done by Wade of Digital. So, well done to you guys. That was excellent. However... It is completely ruined by the fact that Danny and everyone else there somehow uh, is fucking stupid. And Euron is, again, weirdly enough, one of two people who has managed to kill a dragon. Also, one person alongside Varys who manages to be at Dragonstone in one scene <laughs> and at King's Landing in the following scene. It's like that bit with Milhouse. He's like, I'm over here. Or is it over here? I was like, <laughs> what the fuck like it is the thing is it's like this is the example of things being rushed yeah that's it like years ago when we're watching this show it took them fucking weeks to travel now it takes them a minute or a cut and then they're there because the show is like oh my god we do not have time for this yeah um that whole sequence of dragonstone um is fucking ridiculous i was really upset for not any good reason. The the thing is, there are things that Cersei is doing that she doesn't have to do. Like, I've seen a few things on, yeah. on Facebook um, where people are saying, oh, look, all of our enemies have walked directly into our line of fire. Why don't I just shoot them and end this war? Which Cersei could do. Yeah. But I think it's plausible that she isn't. She has taken Missandei, and even though it's pretty implausible that they like orchestrated a kidnap of her. If you compare that to the kidnap of like the, the Dornish women and how they were killed and the kidnap of Yara, it's clear that what Cersei is trying to do by getting everybody to come into the red keep and then angering Daenerys by killing Missandei in front of her is to provoke Daenerys into mass murder yeah, so that yeah. she can tarnish Daenerys's image as the breaker of chains and as standing for breaking the wheel and prove her 
the Mad Queen tyrant. And so Cersei is pushing her into that position deliberately, slowly, calculatedly. She's not taking her out on purpose because she wants her to take herself out. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I I actually think that is a total totally reasonable. And she and it's uh, very it's it's based on her knowledge yeah. of Daenerys of you know she Tyrion told her last season I don't want to see King's Landing burn um you know I'm her hand so that I can check her impulses fucking moron just telling Cersei like the intel on your queen like so yeah. Cersei knows her personality and she's doing this on purpose. Okay, I, I get that. I think it is plausible that she's not just, like, taking Daenerys out. But the same argument doesn't work the other way. Why didn't Daenerys just burn all those ships when she was at Dragonstone? There's no reason for why she... Euron w- should be dead. Yeah, 100%. Why would she not have just, like, Dracarys the fuck out of those ships? Yeah. You could literally... Literally, she would say... And th- this is the thing. The show, I think, realized late that she's way too powerful. She has literally the best advisors. Well, I say that now. But she had the best advisors in Jorah, Masande. She has f- three fucking dragons, well, two dragons, uh, one of which can be ridden by John. Like, at this stage of the show, she just literally can just lay waste. I mean, she still probably can, to be honest. But- they wanted that scene at the end of season six when she was sailing towards Westeros with all her armies, all her Unsullied, all her Dothraki, all the Tyrell banners, all the Greyjoy banners, all the Targaryen banners, and just so that they could have that one scene with her looking out into the horizon to Westeros, it was like, fuck, you should have taken Westeros in one second. Yeah. This, this then they had it. to have two two seasons of her, like, making nonsensical decisions. Yeah. I was like, do you, have you heard of tactical strategy? Like, probably not. Well, no, because Jorah's dead, so, you know, <laughs> can't win every battle now, I guess. But this, that's the thing. That whole sequence of Dragonstone is fucking absurd because... She literally could have two dragons and all she needs to do is fly over the ships and turn around and burn the ships. Simple. That's all it is. Those blisters do not move very quickly and I'm pretty sure someone did the science. Well, not even the science. It was like if they those blisters turn around and they try to shoot the opposite direction, they're shooting their own ships. They're shooting their fucking sails. Yeah. They're dead in the water. So the whole reason that this is is literally so Danny has one dragon. A hundred percent. It is fucking stupid. It is an absolutely absurd scene. I hate it. I'm done with it. We're gonna move on. <sighs> fucking hell! What an upsetting episode. Um, let's really quickly talk about the Bronn scene with Jamie and Tyrion. How do you feel about that? Waste um, of time. What's the time? Waste of time. Oh, waste of time. Um, yeah. Look. Yeah. Uh, number one, how did he even get in there? Like, yep. does Winterfell not have guards? Number two, like, okay, you want Highgarden. Are, is Bronn going to have Highgarden in the next two episodes? I doubt it. So what's the point of that? Yeah. And he was being an arsehole to them, threatened to kill them. I was like, mm. yeah, Jamie says he's not going to kill us though. And he shoots an arrow right next to his head. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to kill them. You're so not going to, yeah. What is the point of this? Yeah. The, my thing is, is uh, after the scene ended, I was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, that was tense for a little bit, but uh, naturally nothing occurred from it. Like, I think I got Jerome Flynn is a great actor, and I Agreed. think it's a way of keeping him in the show, but that's about all. Yeah, that whole sequence to me, I was like, you could cut that. So, what about the scenes with Tyrion and Varys talking about Daenerys being the Mad Queen? <sighs> the treason scenes. Um... Do you want... Do you, do you really want... Okay. You know what? You're going to be upset with what I'm about to say. Is it that you think they're right? 
No, um, it's that I tuned out. Ah, okay. I actually can barely remember those scenes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think at that stage I was still trying to put together what was going on. Um, obviously, obviously, Varys is telling Tyrion that like perhaps Danny's state of mind is not great, um, and that it might be time to start considering other options, which is well within Varys's character because he has you know he loves jumping sides. But um, I don't know. How did you feel about it? Val- validate so I can just agree with you. Or I don't know. He says he cares about the realm, but I'm like, do you? Like, you keep yeah. making really, really wankstained decisions your whole life. I know that you're going to die because Melisandre told you you were going to die in season seven. So, and Daenerys told you that if you ever betrayed her, she was going to burn you. So, oh, that's a good one, actually. I like yeah, that. Yeah, both of them. Like, Melisandre and him had that conversation where he's, she said, we're, we're both going to die on Westeros. Um, and then, yeah, he said to Daenerys, if you were making a mistake, I'll look you in the eye and tell you. And she said, okay, cool. Thanks. I appreciate that. If you ever betray me, I'll burn you. So I think it's possible that Tyrion might tell her and then she'll burn him. I think somehow Varys is getting burned in the next episode. Yeah, I can see um, it. I can see it. Don't care. I don't really like Varys as a character. He's done nothing. <laughs> yeah, he's been... I actually don't mind... Varus, because he, he's silver tongue and he's just really intriguing, but like they've done nothing with him for the last like four he's years. He's like Tyrion. It's like since he stopped being the Master of Whisperers, i.e. since he stopped being Book Varus, he's just not interesting. He's not interesting. That's it. He's lost all depth because what? Well, the last like season, like two seasons, he literally has been nodding and just appearing in scenes because he's one of Danny's left Because he's men. there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. So I'm like sitting there, I'm like, what the fuck is Varus doing? And then finally he gets his moment. And I have to admit... um. I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he's really good as as Conleth Hill. Conleth Hill, um, I I really do like him as Varys. I think he's great. Um, and when he does get the moment, those moments to speak, it's 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 good. And he has those moments on the beach where he becomes a meme, and it's really funny. Um, but <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> but there's those moments. <laughs> sorry, there's, oh shit, that um, one you sent me today. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to share that with everyone. Um, now we should we like yeah. I've said it now, so we should just tell listeners that it was just like. Jamie fucking Varys from behind. Yeah, so someone's lifted a screen grab from season one, episode one, where Jamie's fucking Cersei, and they've put <laughs> <laughs> they put Varys like um choking with up gross water with gross co- cough vomit face. Yeah, yeah, getting fucked from behind. It was really funny. It legit, the, my it was very funny. Was really funny. Um, but yeah, I, I think that whole throne room sequence just. Uh, oh, and here's another idea. Yeah, you want to you want to traitorously bash your own queen when she's at her lowest ebb and talk about how you're going to betray her maybe 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 don't do it in a public in an space. Yeah, room, yeah. <laughs> like really loudly yeah that was yeah i don't know i got I, I didn't really get much out of that other than Tyrion's like that's treason that's treason this is treasonous yeah but he was still thinking about it though oh no and- yeah you could see that he was like i think there's some th- there's obviously some truth to this so Let's talk about the final scene because to come back mm. to that traitorous conversation, yeah, sure. I want to round out the episode so that we I can make some predictions, yeah, um, including that that conversation yeah. scene. There's two other so, what do we think about Misande getting the old head chop? Uh, look, um, I don't care, but I, I don't mean that in a way that it's like Misande's shit. 
I think just for me, she'd run her course. Like at this stage of the show, her and Grey Worm, and I'll I'll give Grey Worm um the actor's name, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Jacob Anderson, I think it is. Yeah, um, he it. he does an amazing job when Missandei is uh executed. He does that sort of moment where he's basically just like Danny. He's holding that rage. He is like he's going to kill people. Um, and he'll die doing it. He doesn't care. Um. I do feel for her. I think it is a bit... It's very poetic that she uh, obviously is found in chains and she dies in chains. Um, but she'd run her course. And I don't... I, f- I wasn't super invested in her character because, to be honest, her character hasn't been doing much except Googling Googling eyes fucking Grey Worm. I like that they killed her because, thinking about it, she left Dario back in Marine. It's true. She, um, Viserion is dead. Regal is dead. Jorah is dead. Barristan Selmy is dead. So the only people who... F- and obviously, Khal Drogo is dead. So the only people who followed her from Essos and from the start are Grey Worm and Missandei. And in episode two, they talked about going off to live on the beach together. So you're like, okay, cool. Yep. Grey Worm, you're going to die in episode three. That's yep. nice. Like, what not subtle foreshadowing. <laughs> But then he didn't, and so the fact that they killed her and not him, and the fact that it was the irony of having survived the long night, and the fact that she is quite a boring character who offers nothing to the narrative now, other than being Daenerys's last tie, apart from Grey Worm, to how far she's come. Because even the people who still follow her, like Tyrion and Varys, they came in later, and we as viewers know that she can't and doesn't trust them. So... I think it was a smart decision to kill her because it is enough of an emotional connection to tip Daenerys over the edge. To the point, yeah. Um, yeah. Because she's lost everything now other than Grey Worm. He's literally all she has. Um, and that's why it kind of frustrates me that Arya is saying to John, oh, you know, we don't trust your Dragon Queen. And I'm like, she is the one who has the reason not to trust. Everybody else has people around them, supporting them, protecting them, encouraging them. She literally has no one. So I think it was smart to kill Masande and to isolate her um, that way. I'm. It does make me appreciate Masande more, I think, just in terms of her relationship with Danny. Now that you've mentioned... I, I know that I said, like, when you brought it up, that I didn't care. And to be honest, I, I don't, because my investment in her character is, is little. But in terms of just retrospectively, I have a lot more of appreciation because of her relationship. Well, I don't think her and Grey Worm started scissoring until season seven. Really? Season six at the earliest. I was going to say, I thought it was season six. But but she's been... It's, it's true. But she has been following Daenerys since the start of season three. Like, yeah. And Daenerys, she's the first person that Daenerys freed as a slave. Like, it's... She, like Varys, like Tyrion, she contributed a lot of emotional depth to the story until yeah. they went off book and then she just became like a one-dimensional goo-goo with Grey Worm. So I think kill, killing her now is good because... What else it's is a she spark. Go- yeah, what's yeah. she going to do? But she's still got a legitimate history with Daenerys. So yeah. I did think that was a smart idea on Cersei's part and on the show's part. I like yeah. that. I, I, I honestly, I when I looked at that moment, I was just like, well, shit. But uh, for me, like you said, it's a smart move from the show being like, this is the only way that you're going to trigger Danny to completely throw away your inhibitions and just torch everything. So what do we think is going to happen in episode five? Do you reckon that she's going to see King's Landing burn? Um, 
Look. Yeah, I feel honestly because the thing is, it speaks to Danny's dreams walking into the throne with uh, the thrones with the ash. With the ash. Um, what was the other? Th- what was the other? The dragon flying over the dragon. Sunday? Yeah, the one dragon. So that explains the one dragon, not three. Yeah. Um, to me, I think the only other thing is that I I I don't know where I saw this or heard this, but I do like the prediction that uh, Drogon is probably going to rock up armored because but it, the thing is I, I say that and I'm like but how are they going to make armor for a dragon that quickly well guess what the show's basically on hyperdrive now so it yeah it's matter. Game of Thrones season 8 like yeah so this show's operating at hyperspeed so whatever um, so I think that's a that's a I think that's a, a possibility given that Danny is seen the, the power of Kyburn's upgraded fucking uh, fucking ballista um, in terms of my kill list um, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough. Um, I probably honestly see. I think we're going to basically get a conclusion to, uh, Jamie, Cersei, and Tyrion's arcs. Yep. Um, it feels like it's there now. Considering Jamie and I, and I want to get to Jamie and Brienne and Ghost really quickly as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I forgot to mention them. Yeah, because those are two that we'll get to real, really quick before we close. But um, in terms of that, I think those three characters are going to get their due. Um, Grey Worm's pretty much cooked. Um, the the Red Keep is going to be on fire. I just, like that King. I don't think it matters. I think Danny's just going to go scorched earth. Look, I feel like from a visual effects point of view and from like a narrative resolution point of view, that would be cool and makes sense and is likely. But yeah, Varys said to Daenerys, "You are going to burn the people you came to save." And she said, oh, well, I'm going to destroy tyrants no matter what the cost. And so what that really means then is what, Daenerys, like the cost is becoming a tyrant. Tyrant, I was going to say, that's ironic. You're a tyrant doing that. Right. Yeah. So if she burns King's Landing, there is no narrative coming back from that. You cannot justifiably... It's it's unforgivable. But right. You can't justifiably sit on the throne after you've done that. And have that be a satisfying resolution to the whole story. So I'm. So so you don't think it is? If if she tortures the Red Keep and like literally tortures the shit out of King's Landing, that's it. That's that's point of no return for you with Danny. Not for me personally. Okay, sure. I just think it's very not like if she if she does that, I can almost guarantee that she is not going to be the inverted commas winner at the end sure. of Game of Thrones. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And so that's why I'm hoping she doesn't do that because I just don't see how she could possibly win or she could possibly achieve her goal after she's past the point of no return. Yeah. My hope is that Cersei is pushing her into this isolated mad queen situation by provoking her. And the show is suggesting that she is by showing her grumpy and... Uh, Red and, eyes. Yeah, yeah and yeah. grieving and having so much loss in her life. Meanwhile, showing John just like laughing and joking with all his mates and yeah. giving up ghost and torment to follow her even though that's not what he wants and um choosing her over his family and blah 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 making him up to be the greatest guy ever so that the rug can get pulled out from under us and actually her final enemy isn't cersei but herself and if she can temper her own worst impulses without Tyrion and Varys talking about how they need to do it or how if she married John, John could do it. It's like, no, she can do it herself. She, I was going to say, she's capable of doing it herself. And if she, she has done so. And if she does it herself, then she's conquered her final 
enemy and she's finally worthy of rule yeah and that's my really idealistic ending and even that is a little bit gross because it's like oh what like a woman's emotional response means that she's what hysterical and therefore like response to real grief and trauma means that she's hysterical and therefore unworthy of rule and she has to be like a you know calming rational force at all times or she's not worthy of rule even that is not great as far as female representation tropes go but it's still better than john sitting on the throne at the end yeah um it's still better than her burning everything to the ground and then regretting it or dying or whatever so i don't know how it can possibly go because i don't i want her to win and i want her to sit on the throne and i don't agree with all this despot tyrant mad queen shit but i don't see how she can do that if she burns king's landing to the ground i just don't know how that could narratively happen yeah um so yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I feel like I, I, she's gonna do. She's gonna do some damage. I know that much. I just depends. Maybe Cersei will wildfire the place up. <laughs> that's true. That's oh yeah. There's definitely some wildfire for sure. Sure. Wildfire v dragon fire. Yeah, right? feels like it. Actually, just I know this is super quick and we are running long. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on Danny's fleet. Yep. Who is she missing on those boats that could be helpful, do you think? Do you mean Dario and like all his peeps? No. Or the starts Iron Island people? Starts with D. His name Dorn. starts with D. Not Dario. No. Oh, gosh. Okay, not Dario, not Yara. Oh, my God. Now I feel stupid. Oh, I might, I might be completely wrong here. Whose fleet could help her? Well, not so much fleet, but uh, perhaps tactics or mind on the sea. Davos? Oh, yeah. I know that he's obviously like John's hand, but... No, man, Davos is nothing now. Remember how he spent episode one and two <laughs> talking about how he's never been in battle? And I was like, oh, except how you lost your son at the Blackwater and like actually have been in battles, mate? Like, yeah. He's just... He, they've just forgotten who he is. Seri- the, uh, you're called the <sighs> Onion Knight? Like... You're not called the onion walk about the place doing nothing. It's a long, it's a long ass title. Um, yeah, just that, that was just one other thing that I completely forgot about, and also would have made sense if she brought everyone along. Yeah, anyway. but Davos is like Varys, like he's just nothing now. Yeah, he's they're all nothing. Trash. Um, really quickly, Jamie, Jamie and Brienne. Uh, we were talking about heel turns earlier in the episode and how absurd some of the dialogue was. This sequence between uh, Jamie and, and Brienne when Jamie uh, basically up and goes after finding out that Cersei has kind of even the playing field. Um, completely fucking absurd. I know that perhaps the payoff will change that, but I think we are talking about this in a current frame as what we've seen and what we know. Jamie's complete turn, I think needed to be written one billion times better for it to be effective. Do you agree or disagree? I disagree. Okay. I don't think there was a complete turn at all. Um, And I think that was really obvious in the writing because Tyrion talked about the fact that Jon might take at least another fortnight to get to King's Landing. And that was after um, Rhaegal had been uh, felled at Dragonstone. So... That means that Jamie and, and Brienne have been shacked up together at Winterfell, where Jamie has, inverted commas, chosen to stay for at least a few weeks. It wasn't the next day. They are an official couple and they're together now. And if you watch that scene where he dumps her, he they seem pretty happy together. Yes, it's been rushed because they've only slept together once as far as we've seen, but they are 
established as a couple, let's just say, by this point. And he only decides to go after he finds out that that Rhaegar's been felled and that some of Danny's ships have been obliterated. So he's going down to end Cersei once and for all. He's just like, fuck, like, she is actually more powerful than I realized. They're not going to be able to do this on their own. I came up to the north to help. I need to go back down and help. But the reason that he doesn't tell Brienne the truth... Because you're following. Yeah, exactly right. And he doesn't want to put her in danger. And... I think that's really obvious from the way it's written. Number one, really, yeah, hundred percent. Number one, he doesn't. All. Uh, he doesn't do anything until after he finds out that she that Cersei has done that. And then number two, if you watch it, he doesn't say why he's leaving until she assumes he's going back to Cersei. So he's getting on his horse and she walks out and she's like, "Stay with me, please stay with me." And he's like, "Oh, I did all this for Cersei. Like, do you think I wouldn't?" do anything for her like i'm hateful like her bye and because he's being so cruel to be so kind and if you have watched their arc from the beginning Mm. anyone would know that anyone would see that all these people on the internet who are like oh my god i can't believe he dumped her humped and dumped i was like are you serious like clearly he's protecting her and yeah i disagree with the the point that people make that he's breaking up with her i didn't get that at all i didn't think they were breaking up in that instance i think for me in that sequence i feel like i i didn't glean it to me it just feel like he was at he was at the fire going yeah 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 all right well i'm going and then that sort of and it does make sense when you say obviously the fact that he's doing it to protect her i just feel like that perhaps could have been signposted if I don't know what a creative way of writing it would be, but a way that could perhaps signpost it a little bit more to the audience instead of him just giving him giving Brianna a laundry list of shit and then going, I'm hateful. I totally disagree. I think, if anything, it should have been written better so that when it's revealed next episode that he was protecting her and that he's gone down to kill Cersei and that he doesn't actually... He'll never see Brianna again because he'll die. And, and so then, do you think they'll see each other again? No. Okay. He'll die. Yeah. He'll never see her again. Yeah. I think the way that the writers wanted you to believe it was to believe his conversation with Brienne so that they could later be like, oh, actually, he was a good guy all along. And I am so not taken in by that. I'm so like, it is so obvious what he's doing that it's not going to be a surprise to me. So in that sense, yes, it was poorly written because the double bluff was not subtle at all. And the only thing that I didn't like about that scene was Brienne's reaction because she has been so reduced to like lovesick moron if i can see what he's doing she as an intelligent strong woman would see what he's doing yes she's emotionally vulnerable because she's never been in love before and she's never allowed herself that before but she's also physically and mentally strong and knows him well enough to know that she's being lied to and the fact that her character was so disrespected by the writing of that scene by just having her stand there and sob pathetically i was like that's not true to your character at all. So that I didn't like. But as far as, you know, Jamie dumping her goes, I thought, well, it's it's quite obvious why he's doing it in my opinion. Okay. I didn't I didn't I didn't glean that at all. You should watch it again. I well I I mean having that context probably helps. But if I watched it again without discussing that with you, I probably would have been like, I still fucking hate that. 
And I think it's a combination probably of the fact that Brienne is, like you said, she's gone, like she's at the top of the mountain and then she's at the bottom. Yeah, I didn't like that. But if you watch episode two and three, he went to Brienne and he said to her in episode two, like, I would be honored to serve under you, even before all this love shit. There's no way that Jamie's redemption arc is just going to like be flicked away for no yeah. reason. But the thing is, I also look at that sequence to the point where it's like they their relationship was built on like it honestly felt like a like a mutual respect and admiration for one another. Oh, the fact that they were they got together at all is garbage. It's tr- is absolute trash. I agree it with should, that. It should not be a thing at all. I think it's fucking absurd. Yeah, it's total um, poop. If they if Jamie and her like had a Grand old time in the fit in the feast hall, and then he took off to King's Landing. I'd be like, great. And even then, she'd be like, get fucked. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, she would be angry. But it would be that. But that's her. That's the exact reaction that she should have. hundred percent. Not the reaction of her blubber of being a blubbering mess. A thousand percent. Totally. Which, totally agree. Which I have to say, Gwendolyn Christie is an amazing actress, and she sells that scene very, very well. But it is not very. It is not at all within the scope of her character. Up to that point where she's the for the first time in her whole arc she's actually being vulnerable that we have to see that there then and there to me it's it doesn't make sense from her i completely agree um it's not brienne no it's not um the thing is the benning of weiss took that relationship and I, i'm saying this because i assume that george r martin has no fucking idea what he's doing <laughs> but so does benning of weiss or whatever um but i look at that and that relationship was so perfect. It was a, a, a mutually respectful relationship based on admiration and respect from these two warriors. Yeah, I actually read something similar today about the Hound. You know, they said... Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so, the stuff to do with um, when the Hound went to work at that... Uh, you know, that church, like, building... Oh, the, yeah, the yeah. So, that's as far as his story's gone in the books. And because it's, it's the book, he has a different name. And it's implied... That it's the Hound, but you don't actually know for don't sure know, yeah. that it's him. Whereas in the show, it's like it's clearly the same person. Yeah. And that's as far as the story's gone. Whereas in the show, three episodes later, all of that was destroyed. And he like, you know, oh, went to right. ban- the Bannerhood Without Brothers. The Brothers... Brotherhood Without Banners is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> he went to the Brotherhood Without Banners and then he just turned back to what he was. And yeah. so what this Facebook post was saying today was that Benioff and Weiss didn't understand that his time in that church situation was where he realized that his life of violence and anger had got him nowhere and he finally found peace with himself and all they've done is shoehorn that in for a minute and then turn him back into this gruff like foul-mouthed violent piece of shit just to lead up to this the um click game ball yep that's what i was just about to say yeah just to lead up to the spectacle for its own sake of click game ball and that's it and they just have completely misunderstood or disrespected that character arc for no reason and it's the same thing with Brienne and Jamie it really is like they've just undermined it it's really upsetting because that sort of payoff to their relationship Jamie and Brienne's I mean is so well done and it's a real prime example of of good character development over the course of a show I you don't see that very often um the only thing that I think that's possibly good about it right now just from a speculative point of view with sure. two episodes to go and we're talking about like predictions is that i think it, that 
we can almost guarantee that it means Brienne is going to live. Because if Jamie yeah. dies, she'll find out the truth and the reason he went back and she'll be able to honour his memory. And so, therefore, I know she's almost definitely not going to die, which is good. Yeah, oh, that's that's, and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Because, again, that's a payoff to something that... Yeah, but the fact that they put them together to kill him and to deprive her of him in the long run is still poo. Because even if he died without them ever getting together, she could still remember him as her like you know. It'd be the same fucking thing. Mutual respect. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They didn't have to, you know. No. The, the cheapen whole, it. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, people. That's where I think sometimes fans that that feels fan servicey to oh, the point where it's I'm I am one hundred percent fine with fan service. If it doesn't undermine character, it doesn't feel fan servicey to me. It feels cosplay. It's like a husband okay. and wife, cosplay, yeah. like dressed up as Brianna and Jamie and went to a convention. It's that like that's oh. the kind of relationship it is. Well, I mean, each to their own for cosplays, I guess. But yeah, no, but you know what I mean. Like it's, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. real. That's just yeah. like inferior, but, like like fanfic version. Yeah, fan, fan fiction. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, Ghost, do you want to talk about? Yeah, really quickly. Um. Look. I'm going to say straight up, sorry to interrupt you, yeah, but I it. didn't care about this whole he didn't pat him shit. So, like, okay. if you have emotional reactions to that, by all means, talk about it, but I couldn't care less. Um, uh, so, I wanted to say really quickly, um, I there there's two things, two lines of thought that I have with, with that ghost sequence. Um, his moment, the John's moment with Tormund beforehand is, is actually quite sweet, and the moment with Sam is very sweet, quite funny. Um, but then John turns to Ghost and, and basically just fucking walks off. Um, Ghost is now going up to the north with uh, Tormund and, and yeah. And the general reaction is just like, hurdy her, why didn't you pat the fucking dog? And like, I love animals. I love dogs. And perhaps I'm looking at this at a, at a deeper level than I need to. But um, I think people are looking at it wrong. A direwolf is not a dog and a direwolf is not a pet. The, the, this is the thing. I don't give a shit he didn't pat Ghost. But the thing is, Benioff and Weiss have chosen incorrectly here to not have a closer moment with John and, and Ghost. Ghost has protected John for a long time. Direwolves are supposed to protect the Starks that they're connected to or whatever the connection is. I can't remember off the top of my head. This is another critical moment between John and his Direwolf that should be shown that's not thrown off there. Benioff and Wise call it a, it's an emotional moment. It's not. You know why it didn't happen? But they don't have any money. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Was, like they've said that. Like they've come out in interviews and said, you know, like we didn't want him to touch him because we thought it would look shit like with the CGI that we had. And and th- th- that's the thing. It's just like, okay, cool. Well, you didn't you don't need a sequence of dragons flying through some ice passes. Boom. Look you know, we it's, did. We I mean, did need a whole new sick. world. It was, it was, yeah, that's true. But I think we did need to keep your queen warm. I needed that. Oh God, why do you remind me of that? Um, <laughs> but, I, but I think that thing where everyone's like, "Oh, I'll pat the dog, pat the dog. Look, I'll pat you, ghost." Put the put the memes aside. This is a pretty significant moment for John and Ghost, and I know that Ghost has been shoved to the side because CGI reasons, and that's fine. That's okay. But the. The, how Benioff and Weiss played it off in the uh, in the the post show documentaries they've been putting on YouTube is that they thought it was a really powerful moment with with him walking away. And it's like, no, it's just because you guys didn't have the money. So just say it. Like all you need to do is like, we really didn't have the money to spare this moment with John and a fucking dire wolf, so we decided to pass on it. And it's I like, think you have to accept that 
they don't care about the direwolves. No, they don't. They don't. Care they, about, don't they, at all. they don't care about their connection with the Starks. Like they don't care about like Nymeria and. Lady, I was going to say if they cared, they'd have Nymeria, right? Nymeria and Lady were significant in season one. Yeah, and that's pretty much all that's been since. Like Nymeria, he you know came back for no reason for five seconds, and the whole like spiritual, emotional, mystical connection that the direwolves have with the Starks isn't there. The direwolves themselves should be bigger. I mean, these these are just huskies. They're just, yeah, I was going to say they're just big they're just dogs. regular huskies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Ghost like really has done very little since John was killed, um, stabbed in the heart. So, like, he's just not an important character anymore, and that's why everyone's like, oh, put the dog, put the dog, because. That's what he is. He's John's pet. He's just John's little dog. Like yeah. he's not anything else. And that's why I don't care because I'm like, well, you're not a relevant character the way that you are in the books. So, I I, I just think for me that sequence is not that I not the mean part. It's more along the lines of just knowing the 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 connection that direwolves and Starks have like are meant it's to the have. sigil meant to have. Yeah. Um. And but the fact that Ghost is on occasion, but when the budget allows it. Um, it has been there to protect John. Has been there to warn John. Has had those moments with John uh, across the series. And really, we don't see any of the other diables. Well, mostly because they're dead. But like, we don't see Nymeria because Nymeria takes off. She comes back because um, Arya runs uh, into her. Thematic reasons for five seconds. That to me, I think, upset me a little bit about that sequence. Not because it was. Heard her, like Hurdy her, you didn't pat the dog. It was because I know that there is a deep connection there with John and, and, and Ghost. And the show just has blatantly gone, well, we prefer to show dragons than fucking direwolves, which, to be fair, dragons are fucking cool. But I don't know. I feel like that whole sequence to me, Benioff and Weiss justified it in the worst way possible. Just I read say you can't afford it. I've read a few people suggesting that, you know, Ghost is going to come back, John's going to go and live up north, up of north yeah. forever, but I don't really see that happening. Speaking of the dragons, fucking hell so there was a line that Tormund said when he was like oh did you oh, see yeah. John get on a dragon like only two people would get on dragons like a madman or a king and I was like okay number one that's not very subtle like you're just calling Daenerys crazy yeah number two um were you part of the Frosty Seven yeah yes did you get on a dragon yes, yes. like did you just forget about that because it was like two long years ago <laughs> to be fair Tormund's probably been drunk for like fucking 12 months now like mate you wouldn't forget flying on a dragon yeah, true. I'd be bragging about that. Yeah, like, yeah. I was just like, what? Like, this is bad writing. Like, yeah, it's trash. You have been on a dragon. Yeah. And also, like, and I also don't like your lazy foreshadowing either. <laughs> Come on. Just just be better. That's all it is. I mean, this is that's a pretty good analogy for the episode is be better. Yeah, like, but I would still give it like a 6.5. Maybe. Eh, five, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's the first time ever that I've given a Game of Thrones rating a higher a higher rating than you. Probably, yeah. I, I think, think there yeah. were some redeeming things like the dragon falling out of the sky and like that looked really cool. Right, yeah, Rhaegar looked great. Um right. and <laughs> Oh my god, the silence is amazing. Up uh, Rhaegar and uh I was trying to think about the scene at the end with Masandi when they were at the gates. Yeah, was no, pretty, that was that was pretty good. But it was pretty much just Karth too, like <laughs> It was too fucking. Hell. It was. It was just Karth. Too. I haven't spoken of Karth for a while, so I'm just like, oh, actually, maybe you're right. Maybe it is a five. Five. Like even then, I'd be. I feel like five's pushing it. I think that the cardinal sin is that there's just a lot of idiotic and nonsensical decisions that are made by characters. That way too many. Yeah, and I think if 
those aren't happening and we just get those moments with the characters, I think this is a totally fine episode. The tension between Sansa and Daenerys is so manufactured. It yes. has it's not rooted Tries in any so cause at all. There's yeah. no reason for it. That's and that's they the thing. should be allies. They really should be. And the thing is it's a rush job basically and the, and, to cause conflict. And then people have to like pick like, oh hashtag team Sansa, hashtag team Daenerys, and I'm like, but they're not even enemies. Like this doesn't even make sense other than yeah, why why aren't they on the same side? And you know, you just have to choose, oh, is Daenerys being a tyrant? Is Sansa just being a bitchy whiny little girl? Like, what do you think of these women? And it's just like it's just gross and unnecessary. Yeah. And then again, it speaks to the the fact that the show is in is basically in hyperspeed now. And I think it will probably get worse in the next two episodes. Okay, well, that's disappointing. But we'll be here to discuss them. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, like, they can be disappointing, but we've had those moments, and we'll talk about it at the the end of the season, but we've had those moments that we can all share together as viewers of the show anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, like, I've already seen Natalie Dormer was in. Oh, God. We'll do one episode dedicated to Marjorie Bay. There you go. It'll last for 10 minutes. Nah, I need more. I might cry. <laughs> um, anything else? Nah, I think we're pretty covered. Yeah. Really ready for episode five. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, thanks for coming on the show, John. Always my pleasure. As always, you can get us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, on a Wishka as well. Definitely not Popcorn Podcast. And what the hell is this show? Um, we are going to be doing, uh, we've got two more episodes of this to go. Um, off the show and also the podcast. Um, we're still in two minds about doing a post-season series wrap-up of episodes. Um, we're in one mind about that and it y- will be happening. Yeah, it's going to happen. John's yeah, John's already decided, so it's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on that. But, uh, yeah, this is coming out late, so it's, it's going to drop on Saturday morning, so you're going to be listening to this on Saturday morning. Get to it and enjoy episode five. We'll be back next week with episode five of Game of Thrones. I don't know what it's actually called because they don't release them. They don't release them until afterwards. Yeah, yeah. which is really annoying. Anyway, thanks for coming on the show, John. I'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye.